Hello, Gurlis. This is episode 5, season 3 of Gurla Upper Podcast. My name is Tate Kim, ensemble pianist, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, we'll focus more on the non musical aspects of an opera, and we're joined by Denise Fiddy, whose shadow puppetry enchanted the audience and the musicians alike in Marty Epstein's Rumpelstiltskin. Her collaboration with Eliana de la Guardia in Babillon by Kaya Zariaho will be showcased in an upcoming Gorilla Backer Bash on 21st and 22nd of this month. Let's dig in. Thank you for joining us today. Let's start with your work in the Rumpelstiltskin. This was your first collaboration with Gorilla Opera. How was that experience? Well, first of all, Gorilla Opera, I've, I had been stalking them for years. <laughs> I really like their work. Um, the fact that they're they're open to experimenting with pretty much anything in the opera and very exciting things um, that made me a fan of their work. So um, when they actually offered me to collaborate with them, um, I was you know very happy and I was really glad that that's happening. But generally, yeah, I so I mostly do theater and I work on plays. Um, I've also done shadow puppetry works on contemporary classical music. Um, so a lot of pieces that I had worked on were not actually plays and were just, you know, they were just um, pieces of music, like music sheets I had to like listen to and know what the instruments are going to be and things like that. Um, but this was actually my first time collaborating with an opera company. Uh, which again is a is a unique company. It's not like a very typical opera company because they they do very um, different things. Um, so yeah, it was um, it was really exciting. It was a very interesting process. Um, the fact that they were very open to changing things, which I am <laughs> really good at. Like you know, it drives people crazy when you know they work with somebody who tends to change ideas and like come up with something very last minute. Uh, but they were, you know, very open to that. Um, we actually did our first performance in Boston with shadow puppets, but then for our work in New York, we decided to go with uh, the digital shadow puppets um, piece, which is technically an animation, but I don't like to call it an animation because um, that was something that I kind of deliberately wanted to use whatever I would use in the shadow puppetry techniques and the shadow puppetry shows. Um, so I kind of tried to do it only in the digital world. So I did not use any techniques that you would use in animation. For example, if you see, um, if you give all of those like designs for puppets to an animator, what they usually do is you you see like a cartoonish walk cycle and you know whatever choices that they make is um, very close to what usually animators do and that's what usually i do with my own animations but uh, for this specific project i decided to do um you know kind of recreate the effects that i would do in a shadow puppetry in a live shadow puppetry show um so that was that was a very interesting experience because I always wanted to experiment with that. <laughs> I wanted to see 
um, okay, if, if I limit myself to what would be possible on stage, how would the animation look like? Um, and yeah, and there, there are parts in Rumpelstiltskin um, that you would, you might think that, oh, how would that be possible on stage? Um, which it is possible. It would look a little bit different, but it would be the kind of the same impression. So yeah, um, in terms of the, the process, the design, uh, well, I had the pleasure of working with Marty Epstein, who was the composer of Rumpelstiltskin, uh, before this collaboration. So I, I'm a fan of her music. I know her style. So um, that really made things a little bit easier for me. Um, the challenges that I had, one of them was that um, I wanted Rumpelstiltskin to be genderless and not so much in a way that it would be, you know, not a human, not a creature, you know, I didn't like, I wanted it to be something that belonged to the earth, but also you can't really tell what's happening. And also because um, I found some, some humor in some parts of uh, Marty's music and also the libretto. So um, the way that I uh, approached the designing process was that I um, kind of, I was looking for that humor in the, in the puppets. So um, that was something that I was kind of struggling with to, um, you know, I was kind of debating whether to go with like that humor or just go dead serious. But then when I went with the humor, with my instinct, I figured that in the in the times or in the parts that the music and the libretto was very serious and very emotional, that humor actually worked. Right. So. Right. Any uh, favorite moments or hardships you distinctly remember? We kind of decided to go with the digital version, um, kind of very last minute. <laughs> which, uh, again, I mean, I like it, but in this case, it was a lot of work in a very short time for me. So I had to like make, um, uh, it was, I think around one hour, like around 60 minutes of animation in three weeks. Um, thank God I had the, the puppets design. So the characters were there. I just had to come up with um, the style that I was looking for. Um, and you know, all those things. So that was, that was a challenge for me, definitely. Also, um, a very nice experience because <laughs> I finally got to experiment with what I wanted to. Um, favorite moments were the moments that, um, I was with the group because this one, uh, usually, you know, when you, um, when you create a work of theater, it's, it's all about teamwork. It's all about everybody being in the same room and experimenting together and rehearsing and everything. Uh, with this project, we didn't really have the luxury of being together that much because it was just a very different process and the, the availabilities were different and, you know, the recording sessions were, you know, separate from the rehearsals for you know, stage. Um, I had just moved to New York, so it was really hard for me to go back and forth 
Um, so we figured something out, but it was mostly um, my assistant um, attending the rehearsals. So I couldn't really attend the rehearsals so often, uh, which was something that I really missed. But my favorite moments were the moments that um, I could actually attend the rehearsals and be in the room with everybody else. And it was so much fun. Yeah, I remember watching the production in Boston and was awestruck by the puppetry as it added a whole nother dimension to the opera. Could you explain the art behind shadow puppetry? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I've always been fascinated by shadows. And I think uh, in terms of the medium that it has on its own, it's, it's under the umbrella of theater, right? So it's, it's a live performance, it needs rehearsals, it has all the elements of theater, but um, there, it has a very key and major characteristic um, that I think it has to be considered when you choose it to be your medium. Like there are a lot of productions that you go and watch and there, it, it doesn't use silhouettes or shadows, but also there are a lot of productions that use silhouettes and shadows and it's mag like magnificent and, and it's really beautiful and fascinating, but nobody really thinks about why it's chosen that way, why people chose to um, use the shadows and silhouettes. And I think one of the one of the key characteristics of this uh, medium is that it's, you know, it doesn't necessarily belong, like the characters and the atmosphere that you create with shadows, it does not necessarily suggest any specific detail like class, like race, like gender, you know, unless you want to make it about those things, unless you want to highlight those things. For example, you have a set as like everything is silhouettes, everything is shadow of a room. And in that room, there is a, <clears throat> the shadow of a frame of a window. Because it's a shadow, you can't tell if it's made of gold or if it's made of worn out wood is it, you know, <clears throat> it doesn't necessarily suggest the class that you're, you know, the social class that you're coming from. I mean, your character is coming from in that show. Um, and that's something that I love about it. And I try to use it so much. And uh, for Rumpelstiltskin, for example, um, that was one of the things that I thought was very good. Like, as a, it was a good choice, you know, to use shadows because let's say that Rumpelstiltskin was to be voiced by Aliana, right? So the voice was a voice of a woman. And then the character was, when you see, when you hear it, you're like, okay, that's a woman. But then when you see the image, it's, it totally breaks these stereotypes, you know? You don't know what, what you're listening to, what that creature is, what, what's behind that you know, what, what's the story behind that creature? So I think um, that's something that I really love about shadows and using silhouettes. One of the things that a lot of people use is like, for example, make very simple and minimalistic shapes and use the shadows of those shapes. 
you know and that that like simplicity that that minimalism can tell the story in a very subtle way you know what i mean yeah. um, and i think it's there is there is the 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 big question there is that whether whether you want those details to be shown or not and if you want them would it be more effective if you just see them on stage without a screen just you know no shadows no silhouettes everything in daylight right. <laughs> in stage light spotlight right. um or whether you you want to cover them right. and by covering i don't mean in mean it in a negative way you know mm -hmm. just like meaning as like just trying to show it as a very basic human story regardless of all of those backgrounds or the you know ornaments so how did you uh, personally become immersed in the world of shadow puppetry uh well shadow puppetry is actually one of the very you know first um means of expression of human like um in the ancient times when um when man, you know, discovered fire, you know, there was the shadow and then people would dance around it and you would see the shadows over the tent. So um, I think it's very, um, it's very, what do you call it? Like basic human nature. <laughs> that's what, what I love about it. And I think that's what makes everybody um, comfortable with making shadow puppets as you, uh, mentioned when you're a kid you know you you start using the shadows you start playing around with them like this <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> using your hands you know and you can you know it's very accessible it's very um you know you can use just cheap materials cheap paper um or you can go very you know um ambitious with it it could be like the most expensive show that you've ever worked on. So it, it's very flexible. And how I got into it was that, um, oh, I was going to say that, that this, it's very human, you know, instinct. And uh, in my country, Iran, um, that's also one of the, one of the theater forms that people explore so uh -huh. much. Yeah, not so much recently, but in, you know, in old times, they used to use shadow puppets a lot. And um, that was kind of in the back of my mind. And um, I think I remember once I had an idea for a project that uh, was very cartoonish, but back in the day, I didn't know how to make animations. So, and I was like, you know, my job is to bring everything on stage. So how can I bring that on stage? And I just kept seeing silhouettes and shadows. And I was like, why not make it a shadow puppetry show? So I started um, experimenting. I started learning on my own. And then later I took some workshops and master classes and I just got into it so much that I was fascinated by it. I was like, you know, it's it's a great way um, to express whatever story and tell whatever story that you would like to tell. And it's actually, you know, 
as I said, very, very flexible. Like it could be a very short piece, but with a lot of words to say. It could be totally silent, but still has a lot of words to, words to say. It could be only music. Uh, it actually worked really well with um, modern music, um, as I've been experiencing it. Um, but yeah, I just got into it and loved it. That is so awesome. Uh, speaking of modern music, the production for Papillon by Sariaho in the upcoming Gorilla Backyard Bash has elements of shadow puppetry. Could you elaborate further on this work? Yeah, sure. Um, so I remember the first meetings that we had um, with Julia and Aliana, there was this um, discussion of having birds or feathers and like having a creature coming into flying. So we had this idea and I started listening to the music and usually what i do is i listen to the music several times and then i, I um let the sounds lead me to the visualization as probably a lot of artists do um and what happened was that it just my instinct was telling me that this is more about the process of getting into flying so the, the closest thing that came to my mind was the caterpillar, you know, making its own cocoon and becoming a butterfly and, you know, get reaching to a point that it will finally fly. Um, so we started experimenting with that idea and initially I wanted to use shadow puppets for it, but then the longer I, thought about it, the more I was convinced that it has to be like the movement has to be from has to, has to come from inside. You know, when you manipulate a shadow puppet or any kind of puppet, as you breathe, even if you don't move it, the puppet moves, but it's still from the outside. So what I was thinking was that, you know, this actually shouldn't be a shadow puppet. It has to be a silhouette of a person. So um, that's why I talked to Aliana and Julia and we decided that it should be human body and it should be the silhouette of that human body. And then we can, you know, use the shadow of whatever we need for the set. Um, so that's how it initiated. And then we started experimenting with some um, movements, choreographing, and things like that. <laughs> and this is what you're about to see. Definitely looking forward to it. I did get a sneak preview of the production, and I remember it being so intricate and meticulous that it was hard for me to believe that uh, this was actually realized during COVID. How has this pandemic affected your art making? It's, well, it has affected, especially theater in a lot of ways. Um, and I still, um, I think we're all like in the theater community, everybody's trying to make the best of this online medium for um, theater. And I think um, there are a lot of interesting things happening and um, discoveries happening. Uh, 
one of the discoveries that I personally had was that um, actually shadow works or shadow puppet works uh, work really well with this medium because uh, first of all, as you said, it's it could be very simple. Mm -hmm. um, it could be DIY. So right. Yeah, and you know, it just needs I don't know cardboards if you have at home and paper, scissors, and you know, as long as you have a white screen, which could be just a white sheet uh, hanging from your door frame, right. uh, you can you can make art and you don't necessarily need to have a lot of people in the same room to make it happen um, or a lot of, you know, technical requirements. So um, I think shadow puppetry is actually finding its own way through um, this online medium. Uh, but also um, my own struggle for this is to come up with some ideas, maybe for the future, so that um, we actually feel the presence of the audience somehow. You know, because you can still record the performances and broadcast them live, right. but um, it's, it's still not the same as the experience of sitting in a theater, especially for the audience and of course the performer um but yeah i'm i'm just hoping that we can find a way to do that but in the meantime i think uh shadow puppetry and silhouette works really fine um through this medium because um all you need to do, all you need to see is a white screen and some silhouettes and shadows on it which you know does not really require a lot of lighting or you know as even if like if even if you're let's say meeting somebody online via zoom or skype or whatever medium that you're using it's still if it's even a very simple meeting you still need to you know adjust the light and you know right. see how you look and sometimes it doesn't right. really <laughs> Right. Work. right. Um, with the shadows, especially because they're, um, you know, kind of two dimensional and flat, it's easier right. to, you know, manipulate it in a way that um, the audience can have the best experience watching it. Right. So I understand you're also writing a libretto. Uh, <laughs> so not only you're an artist and you're a theater, you just, you're a librettist. I'm guessing you're a playwright as well. Yeah. What, so, uh, so the so my question is, what can't you do? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, can you tell me uh, about this libretto called Salt? Yes. Okay. So, Salt was actually initiated um, from one of my friends. Um, the story I don't want to spoil the story, but um, I had a friend, and also like I can't say one friend, but it was like lots of friends and lots of women around me in my country who um, were trapped in marriages that were abusive for a long time. Um, some of them are still trapped in those marriages and some of them um, 
are not because they're either um, their husbands, you know, passed away or, you know, they got it. They never got a divorce, of course, but, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So anyways, uh, because I've seen those stories, you know, real stories around me and I've uh, just seen how the woman was suffering and how they were constantly looking for a way out, but they couldn't because of the norms of the society, because, um, and it's interesting when I say norms of the society, some of them immigrated to the US and other countries, Europe, and the norms of the society that I'm talking about is not necessarily the society of my country. Like they were still, they're still trapped, you know, even after like, 40, 50 years of um, being in another country. So it's mo mostly the norms of the society that get stuck in your head and, you know, the traditions and what people would talk about you afterwards and things like that. So because of those things, they could never think about getting a divorce or it was because of financial situations. They weren't um, independent uh, financially. So there was just a lot of a lot of reasons that they couldn't get out of those marriages. So I had this idea of a play that would actually portray this, the, these, you know, women. And it had been for a long time. So what happened was that I decided that, you know what, this story, because it has to be a monologue. It has to be the woman alone in this um, without, I, like, I wanted to make it about that woman. I didn't want to bring the man into the story. So it has to be a monologue. It's very intense in terms of the, you know, what's behind it and what's being, what, what the woman is saying all the time. Um, so because of these two reasons i decided that it has to be very short mm. at the same time i was thinking that we're going to be inside the, the mind of this woman so it has to be a piece with a lot of sounds and it should not be like the the actress should not be just saying the words she should be maybe singing them or yelling them or you know be free to explore um how she wants to say those words so i thought <laughs> that this is actually perfect for uh, a modern opera a very short you know um piece and of course when when you think about experimental opera which company <laughs> comes to <your> mind <laughs> I can take a guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I reached out to Aliana and, um, you know, you know what happens next. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's very intriguing a project. Um, I worked with Aliana, I want to say two years ago, and it was just... Um, an improv concert uh well i mean at least my part was going to be improv so i you know it's going to be piano and voice 
I, I mean, I improvise quite a bit, which is fine. You know, I, I mean, nothing jazz or anything, but just um, whatever I guess in some ways my own language. Um, but trying to improvise with others is, or oh, has been kind of difficult just because, well, they don't think how I think. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But uh, uh, so I was kind of, but with Aliana, it was very amazing to work with in a sense where I will give her certain kind of ideas of what we can do mm-hmm. and some of the sounds that she would create or not create. Uh, and it was, um, it was very helpful, very helpful to collaborate in that sense. And I think uh, she is definitely the, uh, the best candidate in that. In that. Um, yeah. But definitely looking forward to it. So when is that going to happen then? Uh, that's something that we need to decide and talk about because <laughs> we're we were very occupied with um papillon right. so yeah hopefully after that we'll talk about it right uh, we just know that the music um is going to be composed by my dear friend Bahor Royai, um, which girl opera knows also but i think that's going to be their first collaboration Oh, very cool. Very cool. Looking definitely forward to that. Um, do you have any other future works? I mean, this is essentially a composition at this point, you know, so not only you do, uh, you do art, you, you write as you compose. I mean, making me feel bad over here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm trying and I wish I, I could do all of these things that you... <laughs> but you are. But this is amazing. But... Uh, uh, so do you have any other works that that's coming up, uh, uh, other projects? Uh, no, I have a, uh, well, actually I do. I have a project that's um, going to be online, um, of course, at <laughs> this time. Uh, but it's actually designed for um, an online platform. So um, it's going to be August 23rd, actually right after oh, wow. <laughs> our work. Um, it's going to be at the Tank. I mean, virtually at the Tank NYC. Um, so they have a festival for online works, which is called the Lime Fest. Mm-hmm. Um, and my piece is um, a very short play um, that is that will be performed at the same time by two companies, one in Tehran and one in New York. So the, what's happening is that the audience would see both productions next to each other at the same time. Uh, one of them is in English, translated, so the play is Farsi, and uh, it, it's translated to English. And they see the American production. Next to it, it's going to be the Iranian production with all Iranian staff and crew. Um, so... What happens is that the audience can see both of them, but then they can vote which language they would like to hear. Um, So this is how I'm kind of experimenting with the presence of the audience in the online platform. So uh, we actually performed it before once, um, and I was just very surprised by how engaged the audience was. They were like in the live chat, um, you could see people fighting over the language. So like, hey, people vote for Farsi. The other one would come and say, please, English, we want to see what's happening. So you could actually see that the audience was feeling the presence of each other because it all depended on the majority of the votes. 
it wasn't just you, you know, changing the language for yourself. Your mm -hmm. vote would matter to everybody else as well. So we're going to do that again, hopefully August 23rd. It's going to be um, suggested donation based uh, because um, we want our audience in Iran to be able to see it and they can't purchase tickets because of sanctions. So it's, uh, yeah, it's very crazy. <laughs> but yeah, um, if people would like to come see it, they can check out the tank NYC. That's amazing. Well, what an amazing idea and I'm looking definitely forward to that. Do you have anything to add? Um, no, I just think they're awesome and I hope to work with them again and again and again. And uh, I really hope that we can tour um, the Papillon um, to several places because um, we've thought about like the logistics of how to tour it around even during this pandemic if, um, you know um, even for for the online platform we've, um, we've had discussions about like how to uh, keep the social distancing how to have the performance have you know mask in a way that it wouldn't interfere with the performance and their you know um, the shadow specifically. Um, so yeah, I, I really hope that we could um, do it again and again. I hope so too as well and hope that we get to share our art in person soon. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time and your invaluable insights and looking forward to seeing you and your work at the Gorilla Backyard Bash. That'd be wonderful. So too, yes. Yeah, yeah thanks. <laughs> And this concludes this episode for Gorilla Opera Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and hope you can join us at the Gorilla Pack Guy Bash later this month. Till then.